Welcome to the Performance Plastics Podcast, hosted by IAPD, the only podcast dedicated to providing you information and insights into the world of engineering-grade plastics and how they benefit society by improving the quality of everyday life. Now here's your host, Kylie Canty. More often than not, our most memorable learning moments in our careers is when we're out in the field and have to critically think of a solution for our customers. IPD has the six-question method to get you started on choosing the correct plastic for your customer. This method works for most applications. Pete Downmeyer, Territory Manager at Cardi Wilson LLC, and Jesse Rivera, Quality Manager at Industrial Plastics Supply Incorporated, sit down to ask each other each of the six questions, but also add in some inside scoop that they have acquired from their experience. If you'd like to follow along with the six-question method with your copy of the Introduction to Plastics manual, you can find this on page 41 to 42. Hi, my name is Jesse. I'm with uh, Industrial Plastic Supply here in Anaheim, California. Um, I've been in the plastics industry for approximately nine years, and I'm one of the members for the IEPD Educational Committee. And I'm Pete Dahmer with Cartier Wilson. I'm located in Florida. I've been in the plastic industry over 20 years. I am the chair for the education committee. So today we'd like to talk about um, different questions that you can ask your, uh, your customers about plastics when they uh, need guidance towards um, the direction of, of selecting a plastic. So Jesse, one of the first questions you should ask is, do you need to see through it? Is it going to be transparent? Yes, and uh, one of my notes that I have here, I put that the question uh, could be a little bit generalized and ambiguous because uh, when I uh, see customers coming to our roll call counter, um, you know, a lot of times they'll give you uh, certain words that you still have to, uh, I guess, ask more questions. For example, they might say, oh, I need something that's see-through or transparent or translucent or non-glare, frost, off-white, cloudy, or something that diffuses light. And so I think what, what you have to do is ask more questions and get down uh, to it, like what exactly they're looking for. Um, and I have some examples here for like, example, like transparent. I put that uh, it's something that you're able to see through. Um, sometimes you have to ask, the, uh, you know, the customer, you know, is it, you know, can, can it be diffused or, or do you, you know, when you say transparent, are you asking like clear see-through or translucent? You know, you have to ask those questions. Um, and then when I, you know, for translucent, I put here that it's defined as diffusing lights so that the uh, objects beyond cannot be seen clearly. So it's stuff that you have to ask the customer. Um, Again, you know, you, you, you never know. So um, it's a kind of ambiguous question. You get ambiguous answers. Yeah, that's, it's very good that you actually um, clarify with your customer when they say, uh, you know, clear or see-through, how see-through do you want it? Uh, I had a customer a few years back that was looking for a sight glass. They had uh, uh, they were doing a um, fabric and they were hitting it with a nitrogen chemical 
to make it foam up. And it was running down a chamber about four feet in diameter. Uh, and they needed to be able to see what was going on inside the chamber. Uh, the piece of glass actually uh, that was they were using to look through broke and it really damaged the chamber. So once the chamber was repaired, um, they needed something that would, uh, would um, perform better. And they knew that the chemicals would attack the uh, polycarbonate um, or acrylic. So we actually went into a clear PVC. Uh, it, it worked wonderfully. It was not attacked by the chemicals flowing through the chamber. And they were able to view the product uh, as it went um, down through the chamber. I think that's a good point that you, you said you went uh, with uh, clear uh, PVC because, um, you know, in the uh, performance plastics book, we have stuff here that, you know, when you ask if it's see-through, you can narrow it down to a few uh, materials. And, you know, we have here acrylic, cast or extruded, polycarbonate, um, PTG, and as you said, clear uh, PVC, and there's also a FEP. Question two is, what will be the operating temperature for the application? You know, operating temperature can be deceiving. Um, a lot of times you're thinking about uh, different um, temperature in the room, like your ambient temperature, or um, what kind of chemical reaction is uh, happening. Are you creating heat? Is your chemical reaction exothermic? Um, but a lot of people don't think about radiant temperature. If you have an outdoor product, um, the sun, when it's beating right on something, will warm it up more than the outdoor temperature. Um, is there moisture involved? Is, is there cold water flow? Uh, and is the operating temperature changing rapidly? Is it um, going to be uh, at 73 degrees constantly? Or does it go from 73 to 125 back to one back to 73 in a matter of uh, minutes? Sometimes that can really have an effect on the plastic. Right, that's a good point. Um, one of the examples that I have with uh, operating temperature was uh, we had a factory that was making uh, sauces, and during COVID they weren't running at 100%, so they only uh, filled up these vats halfway. And they were using uh, some Tybar Hot, which is a UHMW polyethylene. And what they didn't tell us was that, the, you know, uh, these scrapers is, is what they were using them for, um, were actually sitting in the liquid um, for quite some time. And even though Tybar Hot had a certain temperature range, um, it was never considered that, you know, it was going to be in continuous, uh, you know, in the continuous uh, hot temperature and that caused it to melt. Um, but an interesting story, uh, you know, I want to mention, uh, Pete, because you said, uh, you know, that the sign has, uh, you know, you have to ask the questions and, you know, you know being in the sun and stuff. Um, we had a customer who once took some ABS and he put it in the back of his truck he drove off that day it was like 110 more or less you know um and he had it on the bed of his truck and um you know this was on a friday on monday he calls us and he's all upset he's like hey the material that you gave me you know it worked 
you know, and we're like, well, what do you mean you walked in? He's like, it took the shape of, of my truck in the back. And we're like, what? And he's like, I picked it up, left it in my, you know, truck all day, Friday and Saturday and Sunday, and it formed to the back of the bed of the truck. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, plastics, a lot of people don't realize that that radiant sun is a lot more warmer than uh, the outdoor temperature. Mm -hmm. Very good. The third question you need to consider is, does the plastic have to be chemical or corrosion resistant? Yeah, so one of the, uh, one of the things that we have in, the, in our plastics performance book is um, you know the, that they have an example of PVC type one and type two. Um, sometimes you have customers that will ask for specific types. Um, sometimes they don't, and you know if you're uh, depending on who you're talking to, you can um, sort of gauge uh, what they need. And one example that I have here is again the difference between type one and type two is that type uh, one Rigid PVC uh, is a high corrosion resistant material with normal impact properties and it's used where chemical uh, is not a major concern. Chemical attack is not a major concern. Type two is uh, impact modified formula, which increases the ability of the material to withstand shock or impact, but will have lower chemical resistance relative to type one. I think you really need to make sure to ask about cleaning chemicals as well. Um, there was a few years ago, I uh, was looking for a guard to guard a machine um, and they wanted something solid. So metal grating was out. Uh, they installed polycarbonate and the machine was actually spinning around alcohol, um, beer, to be honest. And the beer was hitting on, on the uh, uh, polycarbonate, but not affecting it. Um, however, after six months, uh, again, the polycarbonate started to um, craze, and we realized that uh, the cleanup crew came by with bleach and just doused the polycarbonate in bleach, and that tore apart the, the product. Once again, PVC, uh, clear PVC came to the answer, and uh, they have not changed out the guard since. The chemicals can be bad if they're exothermic. Make sure you carry the HDT through the entire operation. Uh, you know, from uh, step one to the finished product leaving the building, uh, you got to make sure you uh, worry about the um, heat deflection temperature uh, because those chemicals can attack uh, and can um, create heat. Okay, question number four says, uh, what are the tensile slash load requirements? So a lot of the things with tensile and load is uh, whether or not the part is moving, um, are parts moving against it? Uh, if so, is that uh, creating friction, creating heat? Um, always make sure you look at your tensile and load requirements uh, against um, heat uh, or against the atmosphere that's, that's going on with the, pro pro with the process. Um, load requirements uh, is something um, going to be on top of the product? Is something going to be uh, pushing down on it, pushing against it? Uh, what is the, um, is the product actually going to be stretched or pulled? Uh, for, so make sure you always check on the tensile versus the load requirements for the process. 
Yeah, one note that I have here in my um, that I wanted to point out is that you know you always have to uh, figure out who you're talking to, um, whether it's Harvey homeowner, if it's uh, you know somebody running a CNC plant manager or an engineer. Um, you're never going to talk to them the the same. Some will have more uh, details and specifications, um, and they'll also like an engineer will probably know the uh, tensile strength or the, the load uh, bearing uh, strength and, you know, Harvey homeowner is not. So just keep in mind who you're talking to and, you know, uh, ask the questions accordingly. Have you had any specific uh, applications like this about, um, you know, maybe shelves or things like, things like that? Um, with with this, uh, let me see here. Oh yes. Um, so one of the stories that I have here was there was a customer that came in. He bought some acrylic and he said, um, "I need some acrylic to make a shelf." And he goes and you know we we cut it up for him. He takes it home. Uh, he comes back a couple of hours later and he's upset because he says that the materials worked. And we're like. Well, you know, when you took it, it was fine. He's like, yeah, but I installed it and it's worked. So we gave him another, uh, we cut another piece. He took it uh, home. And the next day he said it, it worked again. And we're trying to scratch our heads. Well, what's happening? Uh, it turns out that this guy made a shelf. But what he didn't tell us was that he made the shelf, like, you know, above the fireplace. So the heat from the fireplace was actually rising and causing the acrylic to, you know, warp and melt. And um, yeah, it was just like, you know, one like going back to what we were saying, sometimes you need a little bit more detail. If a customer comes in and doesn't give you all the details, uh, it's hard, like, you know, to help them out. A lot of times too, they'll have a customer coming in and they want to keep like hush hush about everything and you ask them, okay, what's the application? Well, I can't tell you, you know, and we're like, okay, well, you know, does it have to be a certain color? Well, I can't tell you. And you ask all these questions and the same answer, I can't tell you. And, you know, in the end, you're, you're practically saying, well, I can't help you if I don't know. Yeah, that comes down to, um, can they not tell you because they don't want to or because they don't know themselves? Yeah, a lot of times, though, I mean, we're fine um, signing non-disclosures. I mean, it's not a big deal for us, but, you know, it, it all depends on, uh, again, the customer. Yes, that's always great when you're working with an engineer um, because uh, engineers will know all the different questions that, that you're going to ask. So, Jesse, the next question I want to ask, what specific characteristics are required? So for this one, I, you know, some of the notes that I wrote down here was, you know, whether it's, you know, outdoor or indoor, that's going to make a difference because you got to uh, find out if something's going to, has a UV inhibitor or doesn't need a UV inhibitor. Um, I also put like, you know, some customers want, you know, preferred paper over film masking. Um, sometimes, you know, with the different materials, they can, you have the option whether you get it uh, with paper or film. 
And I think another thing I pointed out, or I wanted to point out here was that uh, some customers have in mind, you know, an aesthetic feel and, you know, not all the materials come with um, a masking. And I had a customer coming in here one time and he was upset because he said his HDPE sheet was all scratched up. And, you know, I had to tell him, well, you know, that's the way it comes. It's not, it's not uh, an aesthetic. It's not used for aesthetics. It's used for, you know, specific things. And that's what you asked for. That's what we gave you. Um, we also have like, you know, there's some plastics that, you know, have non-slip that are self-lubricating. Uh, some are flexible, others are rigid. And one thing I put here is that, you know, if people come in and they want to do something with print, you know, you also have to ask the question if, if they wanted, you know, corona treated. Um, not a lot of people know what a corona treatment is, and I actually uh, told Kylie that, you know, that would be a good topic for a future podcast. But, you know, uh, basically what a corona treatment is, is they put a, like a ink and it uh, pretty much, uh, this ink causes the ink to stick to the polyethylene because uh, polyethylene, you know, it's, it's hard for uh, anything to stick to. And so they use these electrodes to charge it and then uh, it's able to accept the ink. That's one of the really important uh, questions you have to ask um, because if they are printing on it, um, are they recycling their scrap? Are those inks actually um, recyc recyclable? Uh, a lot of times um, uh, customers will uh, be very green conscious about recycling their scraps or when the products reached end of life, um, they like to recycle it. But are there inks or adhesives that will not allow recycling? Uh, another question or another thing to think about is how is that part being fabricated? Is it being machined? Is it being routed? Is it being thermoformed? Um, what, a kind of, what kind of uh, heat requirements, what kind of machining um, components are going into that actual part? All right. And then the next question, uh, which is the final question, is are there any special needs to consider? Yeah, this is very important when we talk about government re regulation or uh, other needs for that part. It, it, um, uh, is there a building code that must be met? met? Um, is there a federal motor vehicle safety standard? That's the FMVSS. Usually you'll see a 302 or a 313 or a 311 uh, when it comes to plastics in, in vehicles. Um, there's FM 4910. FM stands for factory mutual. Uh, that is the uh, insurance company that insures a lot of these big, large semiconductor pharmaceutical factories. Uh, if the, the product must meet that FM 49 spec before it is allowed to go into their factory. Uh, other um, other uh, specifications include uh, the ASTM E84, um, which covers a lot of fact if it will burn or not. And is there any kind of UV inhibitors or um, do they need uh, extra friction? Do they need less friction uh, control? 
um, what uh, what's the actual need of the end component? Right. I also uh, hear it, you know, as far as the way it burns, because sometimes that matters too, whether it's a horizontal or a vertical burn. Um, some other uh, things to consider is, you know, does it have to be uh, FDA approved or FDA uh, compliant? Um, NSF, you know, we we have other uh, requirements here that, uh, you know, we have to convert uh, 3A dairy, um, USDA. UL94 is a big one. One, yeah. of the, one of the interesting things is a lot of people um, will always ask, hey, does this product meet this specification? Well, sometimes, yes, the factory produces a product that will meet your specification. However, a lot of times the product will go into a... Um, into a, a machine and that machine needs to pass UL specification later. Well, it's not up to us to make sure that that product meets that UL spec that they're comparing to. A lot of times it's up to the machine builder to make sure that their machine passes those specifications. Um, FDA uh, uh, approval is a big one. Um, it, it, even if our product meets an FDA um, approval, does the rest of the machine make the, meet the FDA approval? All right. Well, thanks, Jesse. I appreciate this. This was a good conversation. Um, thanks, Pete. It was good talking to you again. Hopefully, uh, you're going to have a good week, and we will talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. All right. Thank you. This podcast was brought to you by the International Association of Plastics Distribution. For more information on IAPD, please visit our website at www.iapd.org.